0: Welcome to the Mso Talks podcast. Hello everyone, and thank you for joining Mso Asset Management today for our latest Mso Talks feature, where we'll discuss the continued spread of COVID-19 and the impact we think it's been having on the emerging market countries and the economies we invest in. I'm Don McCarty, and I head our investor relations team at EMSO, and I'm joined by our head of research, Patrick Estrueles, who is uh, one of my favorite colleagues. Patrick. Fear and confusion have once again been dominating the headlines as we hear more about concerns about the Delta variant, uh, new surges of cases in COVID-19, and also breakthrough infraction, infections and kind of basically declining efficacy of vaccines. Can you share a few of your thoughts on the recent surge in cases and how that might be impacting the sustainability of this year's economic
1: global recovery? Hello, Don, thank you very much uh, for having me as uh, usual. Um, As uh, you pointed out, uh, we have seen multiple uh, real-world case studies uh, that uh, indicate that vaccine efficacy against all infections uh, seems to be uh, dropping over time uh, from uh, uh, roughly uh, 85% um, uh, one month uh, after a second dose has been administered to anywhere between uh, 45 to 60% Uh, after uh, five to six months. Um, The range of estimates uh, varies quite widely um, and depends uh, on, among other things, uh, whether asymptomatic cases uh, are being included amongst cases that are being monitored, uh, which can tend to skew numbers to the lower end of that range, uh, as well as uh, what the distribution of age cohorts uh, is uh, among those uh, samples that are being examined. Um, all that said, you know, we think that there are uh, a number of potential explanations behind this uh, you know, waning efficacy. Uh, you know, first and foremost, um, the uh, Delta variant, um, you know, which uh, uh, has uh, become a widely prevalent you know, variant uh, you know, throughout many of the countries uh, that we're currently monitoring, uh, is uh, uh, incredibly more transmissible uh, than um, previous variants uh, of the COVID-19 virus. Uh, and, and as a result, uh, it is creating, you know, more of a challenge, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, vaccines uh, ability to, uh, you know, prevent, uh, you know, overall infections I mean, from continuing to spread. Um, but second, uh, and more importantly, uh, you know, there is a natural medical explanation behind this, uh, which is that, uh, you know, antibodies, uh, you know, typically peak uh, one month after vaccines are administered, uh, whereas uh, uh, our um, Uh, uh, memory immunity, uh, which is made up of B cells and T cells, uh, you know, continues to be extremely robust. Uh, You know, so far, you know, scientific um, uh, evidence uh, uh, underlines, you know, this very important fact, which I think explains why even though we have seen a drop uh, in overall efficacy against all infections, uh, efficacy against severe disease, uh, hospitalizations, and deaths uh, continues to be extremely robust, Uh, even five to six months uh, after a second dose has been administered.
0: Okay, so basically what we're saying is, you know, you really think that the vaccine's been holding up and and we're not so concerned about some of the the breakthrough infections. Um, You also seem to indicate that booster shots will help. How many booster shots do you think that we will need or will they come at the expense of, of the less vaccinated EM countries who actually... Uh, have not gotten to the vaccination levels that
1: maybe some of the developed market countries have reached? So in in the face of, uh, you know, waning immunity against infection, as you point out, Don, a number of countries, uh, you know, have already begun uh, to administer, uh, you know, third, uh, you know, booster shots of effectively the same vaccine. Um, Among those, uh, you know, countries uh, are uh, Israel, um, uh, as well as, uh, you know, Germany and France, uh, you know, are considering... Uh, administering booster shots uh, to older age cohorts as well as the immunocompromised in line with uh, uh, recommendations from the uh, European Medicine Agency. Um, uh, So far, um, data from uh, Israel uh, seems to suggest that boosters do work. Um, uh, We have seen a a roughly um, 10 times uh, increase in overall protection against infection uh, for those that have received uh, a third shot you know, compared to those that have only received uh, two shots uh, of the uh, Pfizer vaccine. Um, a key, you know, ethical question, I mean, that has come up uh, is whether, uh, you know, the rollout of boosters uh, in, uh, you know, more advanced developed countries, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, have already uh, be vaccinated wide proportions of the population, uh, you know, could undermine access, uh, you know, to vaccines uh, in uh, emerging markets and frontier, you know, markets, uh, you know, who have uh, vaccinated much lower proportions of their overall population. Um, you know, we think that, uh, you know, this may actually end up being a, something of a false dilemma, uh, you know, given that production capabilities continue to be extremely strong. Um, according to, uh, you know, our estimates, uh, you know, global vaccine production, uh, you know, capabilities, uh, you know, are roughly at around 13 billion doses, uh, you know, by the end of this year. Uh, and, uh, even if we were to account you know, for the possibility of the US uh, and the whole of the European Union uh, administering a third dose to half of their populations by the end of this year, which we think is an extremely uh, conservative estimate, uh, we would still, you know, have uh, excess vaccines, you know, available uh, for countries, you know, that are lagging, you know, overall vaccination coverage of, uh, you know, anywhere in the region of four to five and a half billion doses. Um, you know, currently, uh, the COVAX program, which was a program that was set up uh, last year uh, to uh, donate uh, vaccines to those countries in need, um, you know, estimates that, uh, you know, frontier uh, markets uh, uh, and, uh, you know, countries will need somewhere in the region of five billion doses in order to be able to vaccinate their entire adult populations. So we think that this is something uh, within reach of existing production capabilities.
0: Thanks, Patrick. You know, um, <clears throat> let me ask you, you know, we, we've talked about herd immunity. So thinking about herd immunity, the level of vaccinations vaccinations going on out there, and also, you know, the potential for new variants in terms of new mutations that I think people are worried about. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, is herd immunity even possible and uh, what you think the future might look like? So
1: early on uh, in the pandemic, um, uh, the hope, uh, you know, was that um, uh, we might be able to achieve, uh, uh, you know, herd immunity uh, at uh, you know rates of anywhere between seventy at seventy five percent um you know however you know given the uh, delta's uh, much higher transmissibility um and the uh, fact that the vaccines do not provide sterilizing immunity that is you know they don't uh, you know necessarily prevent uh, infections you know from those that have been fully vaccinated to you know those that have not um you know herd immunity rates uh, are probably only achievable at much much higher levels uh, of uh, you know coverage and immunity um probably somewhere in the region of you know ninety to ninety five percent. However, you know this is you know not a lost cause, right? You know given that you know overall you know population immunity is a product of both natural infections as well as vaccine induced immunity, and with you know many countries you know having already you know suffered you know significantly you know through you know past COVID waves. And having seen significant shares of their population already infected, you know, coupled with you know the significant you know step up and acceleration in the distribution of vaccines, you know, globe wide, you know, we believe that we could be you know reaching you know population immunity proxies, you know, anywhere between eighty and ninety percent across you know not just you know all developed markets, but also you know most if not all large mainstream emerging markets. You know, there are a couple of exceptions, you know, China, Japan and a handful of other countries that, you know, so far through the pandemic, I mean, have been, you know, targeting zero COVID policies, i.e., you know, relying on aggressive, you know, contact tracing and testing, you know, to dampen and suppress, you know, localized, you know, outbreaks of COVID, you know, while, you know, slowly rolling out, you know, their own vaccination programs. Um, you know, they they don't count on uh, you know significant, you know, natural levels of immunity. So as a result, uh, you know, they will probably be lagging, you know, other countries in their ability to hit uh, you know, those uh, you know potential uh immunity thresholds.
0: Thank you, Patrick. I um so I, I'm just trying to kind of summarize, I think, what I what I'm hearing from you. You know, my from my interpretation of your comments, it looks as though we expect there are gonna be ongoing surges in in COVID caseloads with the associated level of hospitalizations and even deaths which certainly it's it's quite socially devastating but from what i'm hearing from you is i mean any of these new waves of covid at least from a financial or economic standpoint i think you think you believe they're going to be less disruptive and expensive and impactful
1: to, to the local economies is 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 that what you're saying? I think that's a fair summary. Um, you know, COVID is uh, you know clearly not done with us, even though many of us would like to be done with COVID. Um, and we will be seeing you know multiple waves uh, you know across uh, uh, the course of the uh, you know next fall and winter, uh, as well as you know most likely you know all through 2022 you know however you know we think that um you know we're well on the path to endemicity uh you know where uh you know covid will you know still be with us uh will still be you know quite destructive you know could potentially be quite disruptive um you know but you know given enduring uh you know vaccine protection uh against severe disease hospitalization and death you know it should be a disease that i think we can all uh you know begin to learn to live with you know without experiencing you know quite the same level of disruption i mean that we experienced uh you know early in in 2020 and certainly during the last winter uh when we were only uh you know coming to uh grips uh with what effectively was you know a new pandemic without you know having developed the necessary tools uh you know to uh you know provide us with the necessary protection you know to deal with this pandemic
0: So at least the conventional wisdom, at least
1: amongst EMSO,
0: is that COVID is becoming endemic and something we're just going to have to learn to live with. Uh, It's going to flare up occasionally. Maybe we can talk a little bit about then emerging markets and and how developing countries could or could not be left behind because they're vaccinating at a lower rate. Uh, And will EM underperform relative to developed markets?
1: as you point out you know Don I think the conventional wisdom is that emerging markets could end up being left behind as we force this path out of COVID and COVID becomes endemic you know for you know most advanced developed countries with high levels of vaccination coverage you know however you know we don't think that this is you know necessarily going to be the case you know first and foremost you know overall you know total you know levels of immunity across emerging markets we think are uh, you know, rising fast and, and should be on par uh, with those uh, in uh, developed markets uh, you know, by the end of this year. Uh, thanks to uh, you know, previous waves of infection, uh, you know, which have been more, much more pronounced than what we have seen in many developed you know, market countries, uh, as well as uh, you know vaccination programs uh, that uh, started up very slowly uh, but have been accelerating at a very fast clip uh, over the course of the last several months. Uh, not least, uh, because many emerging market, you know, countries and frontier market countries, uh, you know, are used to dealing, uh, you know, with critical disease, uh, and, and as a result, they're much more acceptant uh, you know, of vaccines than what we have found in a number of developed market countries, uh, you know, particularly, uh, you know, here in the United States. Um, uh, second of all, um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, we don't think that the uh, you know rollout of uh, you know third booster shots. Uh, will necessarily come at the expense of vaccine availability uh, for many emerging market countries. Uh, large mainstream emerging markets have already, you know, procured enough vaccines, uh, you know, to uh, you know protect their entire populations uh, by the end of uh, you know this year, uh, and we expect that uh, uh, you know schemes like Covax, you know, will be able to count on sufficient doses. Uh, you know, to, uh, you know, confer enough protection to some of the, uh, you know, lesser, uh, you know, protected, uh, you know, frontier market countries, particularly in sub Saharan Africa. Um, but third, and most importantly, uh, demographics are also a very important level, right? Um, you know, this is uh, a vaccine uh, that, uh, you know, primarily hits, uh, you know, older age cohorts uh, as well as the immunocompromised. Um, and, uh, you know, all across emerging markets and particularly frontier markets, um, you know, demographics, uh, you know, are actually much more favorable. Uh, take for instance, uh, you know, a country like uh, Egypt, uh, which has, uh, you know, barely, uh, been about, you know, vaccinated about 10, 11% of its population, uh, you know, but that, uh, you know, has actually, uh, you know, suffered, um, um, um suffered less. You know, from, uh, you know, COVID waves uh, over the course of the last year. Why is that? Uh, because the median age of the population is roughly around 25, uh, and only 3% of the population is actually uh, over the age of 70, uh, you know, which, uh, you know, as a result, uh, you know, leaves it uh, at a significant substantial advantage, I mean, compared to, uh, uh, you know, older, uh, more developed economies.
0: Great. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, Anything else we should talk about, you know, there's certainly the economic impact, I think, you know, maybe on markets or things like that in terms of, you know, I think we've seen a few people betting on the reflation trade and and I don't know that that has really come to to play. But anything, you know, in terms of looking at the differences uh, in terms of where rates are going or what's happening between developed markets and EM uh,
1: in, in, in some of the opportunities you're seeing? So, I mean, markets, uh, you know, seem to be, um, you know, leaning uh, against, uh, you know, the reflation trade. I mean, over the course of the, uh, you know, last couple of months, uh, you know, because of a number of potential explanations, um, uh, which include, uh, uh, you know, the possibility of a Fed policy mistake. I mean, as the Fed uh, uh, is um, considering normalizing policy, uh, you know, into uh, a potential, uh, you know, slowdown cycle in um, The fact that, uh, you know, fiscal, you know, momentum will be, you know, nowhere near supportive uh next year, I mean, compared to this year, uh, as many of the provisions of the COVID-19 relief fiscal bill that was rolled out, uh, you know, early in the spring uh, expire, you know, going into next year, uh, you know, but also um the, uh, this, you know, fear that uh covid is not done with us uh and that uh you know new uh you know waves you know breakthroughs uh you know waning vaccine efficacy and the possibility of new more lethal mutations uh you know will uh you know keep governments on the back foot uh and and will keep you know the consumer also on the back foot and undermine the possibility of uh you know full-fledged global recovery that will you know bring us back uh you know to pre-covid trends um we think that the market has, uh, you know, pushed, uh, you know, too hard against the reflation trade, uh, you know, over the course of the summer. Uh, and we believe that, um, uh, at, at least, you know, because of our, you know, in-house views, uh, on uh, COVID and the likely evolution of the pandemic and how governments and the consumer are likely to react, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, next, uh, inevitable waves. Um, you know, the reflation trade still has uh you know something of a lease of life as a result you know we expect that you know cyclical assets including um uh you know value stocks uh you know cyclical commodities uh you know higher yielding credit uh as including also um emerging market you know currencies that could benefit from you know potential you know additional inflows into uh you know equities i mean that have underperformed significantly so far year to date uh, you know, could uh, you know potentially be poised to outperform uh, over the course of the next couple of months?
0: Thank you, Patrick, uh, very much for sharing your thoughts on COVID and uh, its impact on, on on the markets. And again, thank you all for joining us today for our latest version of Mso Talks. Uh, we'd be happy to speak with you about any questions you may have. Again, I'm Don McCarty and Patrick Astreas,
1: and thank you for joining MsoS America today.